0: Before we get started, um, I just want to say uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I'm really excited. Yeah, go ahead and give it up. I'm really excited that I have, um, get the honor to speak today, even though I am not married, nor I, am I a dad. But I think today in the scripture we're going to look over, we're going to see some really cool things um, that Paul is going to instruct fathers to do, and it's going to be a great time. But here's the thing I want to say first before we get into it um, is that, like I said, I don't have a wife, nor do I have a kid. So you're like. Pastor Larry, like you decided to throw up the 27-year-old guy who's going to play gross games on stage? Yes, they did, but here's what I want to let you know is that whatever we do as Christians, wherever we get our authority from is from the Bible. So whenever someone is speaking on a subject or a topic, whatever it may be, we can look to this book as our authority. So me, as someone who's not married nor has kids, I don't know a lot about parenting. Actually, I don't know anything except hanging out with you students during the week. But when I look at Scripture— I can see what Jesus challenges you guys to do as fathers, as mothers, and me as a young adult. So I'm speaking clearly from Scripture. And like I said, I am so thankful and honored just to be speaking today. Um, If you didn't know a little bit about me, I used to work at a church before here at Cannon Hills. And in this church, we would oversee about like 2,000 people a weekend. And with the students, we would kind of see 200, 250 students every single week. So I would see a lot of students come in and out of my ministry. And one thing that I did see is how a father's role affected those students who came into my ministry. I would see students whose dads were really involved in their lives, who would go to their games, that would read them scripture, that would challenge them to be like Jesus every single day, come to church, be, exci- be excited, be on fire for Christ. But also on the flip side, what I would see is students who really don't have a good father figure in their life. Students who don't have a dad who's about Jesus and reading the scripture daily and then trying to teach his son or daughter come into service and be confused about what their role is, is in the world. I would see young men coming in not knowing how it is to be a polite gentleman to ladies in middle school and would mistreat them, would do things that would give him status and make him cool in my ministry. I would see young girls who didn't have a father that was teaching them God created them with value and dignity and worth walk into my ministry and look to all these little boys and say, hey, you make me feel like I'm worth something. I would see both roles of what a father can do that's on fire for Christ. Ready to not only lead his wife, but his students do really amazing things, but also witness really sad situations. So I'm excited today to get to speak on the lighter end of what a father can do in a young person's life and their wife's as well. So the verse we'll be going over is in Ephesians chapter 5. and we will be going through verses 25 through 31. If you don't have your Bible, we will have the scripture up on the screen. So here we go in verse 25. Husbands. No one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So Paul pretty much points out three different points that we're going to look over today, pretty basic and just easy to understand. The first one is love his wife like Christ loves the church. The second one was make her holy, By cleansing her with the uh, washing with water through the word. And the last one was to present her to himself without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, before we kind of take those three points apart and we get to see how it affects us in 2019, I think what we need to do first is understand that love that Jesus had for the church. This love was like no other love that has ever been demonstrated in the history of mankind. We first off see Jesus who scripture says is God in flesh, leave a perfect world, leave a perfect place called heaven to come down to this imperfect world. Kind of reminds me of like the the game we played, right? That God was from a, a far away and he saw all this that was happening with his children. He saw the world falling apart and that's not how he created it to be. So what did he do? He got involved into it. He put his hand into the world and sent himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So first off, We see love is an action point, that it moves from perfection to imperfection. But that's not where it ends. Jesus doesn't come down in flesh and kind of hang out, eat meals with his disciples and some of the other people. No, we see him do something that's even crazier than coming down from perfection to imperfection. We see him begin to serve people, begin to love people, begin to heal people, do things that in this time church leaders thought were crazy, They would look at the character of Jesus, who he was, and they well understood that he was a promised Messiah because they knew the Old Testament. Some of these church leaders memorized the four the first four books of the Old Testament word for word. So they clearly knew who was coming. And they would see Jesus, right? They would see him hanging out with prostitutes and like, you're supposed to be this holy guy. You're supposed to be this Messiah. Those those are dirty people. Why are you hanging out with them? They would see Jesus hanging with tax collectors, with sinners. And they didn't understand what was going on. They just thought Jesus was crazy and he was out of his mind. But what Jesus was doing, he was painting this picture of a sacrificial father that would come in and love like no one else had loved before until he goes to the cross. And we see Jesus not only do all those things, but he does more by dying for you and I when we don't deserve it. When we were sinful people, In our hearts, we desire to do things for ourselves. We want to do what we want to do. And we understand God has a plan. We go, no, I want to do what I want to do. So because of that, we see Jesus step in, take the sacrifice for that, so we can be freed up to try to live like Christ, but not let it hold us down as prisoners. So first off, fathers, don't feel like this is a burden. Don't feel as if this is pressure for you to love every single day like Christ did, because it is hard. First off, we're sinful. We're broken. That means when we attempt to do something, it's not always going to be how God planned it to be. So at first you go, man, Jesus hit this bar really high. The expectations are to love people, to love my wife, my kids, like Christ loved the church. Man, that's difficult sometimes after a long day at work. And then life hits, Right? We have health issues that come to us. We move to our loved ones. We have things that happen in this life that makes it very difficult for you and I to step into that role to always love like Christ loved. So we go, man, Jesus, that's difficult. I I can't hit this bar every single time. It's like a weight that's on my shoulders to try to do this. And I I just don't think I can do it. But here's the beauty in that love and that standard that Christ sets for all the fathers in here, is that yes, he wants you to try your best to hit it. From morning to night, he wants you to serve, love, do whatever you can to meet that expectation. But when you don't, guess what's there? The cross. Is that when you don't hit that level that Christ put an example for you, you don't have to think you're a failure. You don't have to think you messed up or you're less than the other father or this dad or whoever. No, you get to go up, do the best you can, and when you fall short, you have Jesus to rely on to help you in that. So first I want to say, fathers, it's okay. It's okay for you to attempt something and not complete it every single time because Christ is there when you stumble. So I think now that we kind of get this picture of the love that Christ put for you and I as a church on display on that cross, that it frees you dads up to love the best way that you can. So we'll go to our first point, is a husband must love his wife like Christ loves the church. And I think this is a great point for Paul to start off on, because first off, this is a difficult challenge, but once we understand Jesus is there for us, when we fail, it frees us up, right? It frees us up to do the best job that we can. Let's say you go to work, right? It's been a hard day, and you just have that boss which you— Pray for, right? That boss is just like, man, my she or he, oh, they just get under my skin. They have all these deadlines to have to meet, and sometimes I want to hug you, man. And then you come home, right? And then your wife's trying her best to put everything together. The kids are arguing because you know little brother borrows older brother's shirt, and they're fighting. And she's like, hey, can you step in? You're like, babe, I would love to, but hey, the finals are on the NBA, right? So you go, you know, love you, but. You know, that's going to be amazing. So you go over there, you go into the recliner, you kick back, you lay down, you open a nice can of cold tea. (laughs) Youth weekend, right? And you're like, man, I deserve this. Today's been rough. My job, stressful. Now I'm away from it. I just want to relax, breathe, calm down a little bit. I just want to enjoy my time. And yes, you may have deserved to sit down and drink a nice cold tea to watch the finals, right? But what does Paul say right here? Says to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now in that moment, what would communicate love to your wife more? You hanging out in the recliner, taking a step back and saying, you clean, you cook, you figure out this argument, or You remember the cross and what Jesus did for you, and it frees you up to try to step in and say, hey, let me tackle this argument a little bit. You you do this, or hey, let me cook, unless your husband burned the turkey last Thanksgiving. But for those who know, hey, step in and cook. Step in and clean. Whatever situation that you come home from work, fathers, and you have an opportunity to serve your wife, to love her like Christ loved us, Paul challenges us and says, hey, step up meet the mark. But when you don't, you have Christ to fall back on. So when I was writing this, I was thinking, okay, how can I get the women on my side? What's this like one liner I can get all the women to be like, woo? And here's what I came up with. So I was sitting here studying. Once again, it's youth takeover weekend. This is how my brain works. I'm just telling you. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, I got it. So think this, think about this, right? You coming home and your wife has been just working her butt off to get whatever done she had to do. And she sees you walk in, and you say, hey, honey, can I help you with anything? And she goes, yeah. Can you do this, this, and that? And you're like, shouldn't have asked. But like, you're like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll step in and do it. And then she sits back, right? And she's watching you from a distance, and you're doing your thing. Well, that's cleaning, cooking, the argument, whatever. You're doing your thing, right? And, you're st- and your wife's standing there, and she's like, all right. Here's the thing I came up with, right? There's no amount of Thor or Captain American muscles that could turn your wife's head quicker than you doing that. Can I get an amen, ladies? Amen. Yes. Thank you. Right? <laughs> like stepping up in that moment, she's going to be like, wow. Now that is a guy who loves me. Because guess what? Your wife understands work is hard. She gets it. Trust me. She knows. She may not experience it. She may not be the one clocking in and out and going, but she understands what you're going through. But then in that moment when she sees you step up to what Christ calls you to do as a father, man, that'll be such a blessing to her. But she will know that you love her like Christ loves a church. And I can tell you that there's nothing greater to a woman than doing that for her. So our first point, men, husbands, love his wife. Love your wife like Christ loves a church. We'll move on to our second point, which is a husband must make her holy. Now that first point, is kind of like it follows the next two. So these next two points are naturally kind of driven from that first point of loving your wife, loving your family, your kids, right? Like Christ loved the church. These two kind of naturally follow. And make her holy means leading her through scripture, through this book, our authority as Christians. If you call yourself a Christian, this book, every single word that is in here is meant for you and I to read it to allow it to change our lives and actually play out in real life. Not just head knowledge, not just things we memorize, but things that affect our heart and then come into play with people around us, including your wife and your kids. So when Paul says, hey, you must make her holy, first off, what he assumes is all the dads in here are reading their Bible. He doesn't say, hey, first off, dust off the Bible, crack it open and read. He skips read because he says, oh, you're already in your word because you're a Christian and you follow Christ. So that's already done. Now that you're doing that, lead your wife, lead your kids. So I think first, we need to understand that we need to be in our word daily. We need to be taking time for our busy schedules to sit down, crack open the word, and allow Christ to come into our lives and change us so we can love her like Christ loved the church. If you expect to put this Bible right here and say, cool, I'm going to try to love you, honey. Go to work, have a hard day, walk into a weird situation. It's difficult. Your wife's just not having the best day and taking it out on you. Guess how hard it is it's going to be to love her like Christ loved the church if your Bible's way over there. It's going to be so difficult because we are flawed. So we have the internal battle of sit down. You deserve it. Crack open the nice cold iced tea. Kawhi Leonard, the claw, he's going to take over the game. A.D. got traded to the Lakers. Thank you. You deserve it, right? And if your Bible's over there, guess who's going to win? Yourself. Our sinful self will win every single time if our Bible's way over there. But if we step up and take this challenge seriously, and we are in our word every single day, Fathers, I can promise you that when you do try to love your wife like Christ loved the church, it's going to be so much easier than if you're trying to fight this battle alone. So, Paul assumes we're already doing this. Because if we're not, how do we expect to lead others? How do you expect to lead your wife if you're not in Scripture yourself? How do you expect to lead your kids in Scripture if you're not in it yourself? Being a youth pastor, I have so many kids, they go, what's a Bible? And I ask, do you know where you're at? Right? I have kids who come into my ministry who have dust on their Bibles. It's under their bed next to the Cabbage Patch doll. What's that? My sister had one. I'm still bitter about it. We'll talk about it later. But I have students who aren't passionate about getting in the Word, who aren't excited to read about their Lord and their Savior and their Creator. And I think a lot of that It's because maybe some of their fathers in their life are also not passionate about the word to where their kids don't see dad ever crack this open except on a Sunday, Easter, and Christmas, right? But imagine this, fathers, imagine this. Your kid wakes up early during summer, probably won't happen, but wakes up early, right? Sees you in your word reading, and they go, that's different. I've never seen dad do that. And that might inspire them to do the same thing. And then your wife, you lead her through the word. How great of a thing is that? That not only you can have an impact on your wife, but on your kids, to when they leave your household, they are strong in Christ. They are strong in the word. That no no matter what comes at them, no matter what temptations, what culture says, what influence social media tries to have on your kids, no matter what is going on, that you are in the word yourself. You're leading your wife and your kids, and then they go out into the world and can stand strong, against anything that tries to come at this. Imagine what that would look like. So fathers, husbands, be in your word and allow that to help you lead your wife, your kids in the word as well. We'll go to point number three. A husband must present her without staying. And I think this is a beautiful statement. I think this is so beautiful. I recently got engaged three weeks ago. and Thank you. I can still watch the finals. I haven't said I do. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> record, DVR, right? So I got engaged three weeks ago and we were looking at a couple of venues. Um, and we went to this one spot, super beautiful. And the place where the bride and father walk in they did an amazing job. It's like just beautiful white walls, these giant wooden ranch doors that are staying dark so it pops well against the white walls. And the lady who was walking us through, she sold it so well. She goes, hey, why don't we have the bride-to-be and the father do like walk down the aisle. And I was like, dang, like this, she knows what she's doing. They hired the right person. So my fiance and um, her, her dad are standing there and Gavin, my to be father father-in-law, he's like a tough dude. He's like the guy that will like cook a steak He'll smoke whatever you want. Just like, uh, throw the ribs in there. We'll get it going. He plays golf. He knows all the sports. He's, he likes uh, UCLA. Go Trojans. But like, he's just a man of man, right? Just like, cool. And all of a sudden, you see him standing there. And he puts his glasses on. And I was like, I have allergies. And I was like, oh, I'm not crying. It's allergies. Right? And then she opens the doors. And he just breaks down. And they like begin to walk. And I was like, man. Now I was trying to think. I wonder what's going through his mind at that time. Probably the bill, but also— <laughs> just be, you guys know, you guys, you guys been there, right? But I wonder what's going through his mind that moment, right, when he's standing there with his baby girl, his daughter, and the door is open, and he walks through. He's like, "Man, I did my best to present her in the purest way to this foolish young man." I can be like, man, what a great moment that is, right? He did the best he could with what God gave him, and then he's walking her down the aisle to give her away to somebody. And I pictured the same thing happening here with you fathers and husbands in the room when you meet Christ, when you're standing there face-to-face with your Lord, your Savior, your Creator, and you have your wife there next to you, and Jesus looks at her and sees all the work that you've done, He sees how you loved her, like Christ loved the church, sacrificing relaxation, sacrificing what you deserve to serve her better, to serve your kids better. Christ sees that. Christ sees you sitting down in your word on your own time, away from all distractions, to be inspired, to know your scripture, to know who your Savior is, and then you lead your family in that same light. He sees that, and he goes, man, He looks at you and says, Good and faithful servant, I gave you my daughter. I gave her to you to present her without stain. You did a good job. I'm proud of you. Imagine how you would feel in that moment looking in Jesus' eyes and hearing those words come out of his mouth. Yes, those times you sacrificed were tough the things you didn't want to do, you wanted to sit down, hang out with the buddies, go play golf, go play pool, whatever it is, all those times that you sacrificed for your wife, for your kids, to raise them up the way Christ calls you to, in that moment, are not going to matter, because you're going to be saying, my Lord and Savior just said I did a great job with that, and us men, we love to hear that we did a great job, right? When we build something, when we go to work, we get that paycheck, whatever it may be. We feel good when we get affirmed. And these just aren't words from anybody. These are from Jesus Christ, the guy who beat death, who beat everything on that cross, saying these words to you. And imagine how you would feel in that moment. You're giving off. You're giving your bride away to Christ, back who she belongs to. And he looks at you as a father, as a husband, and says, you did a great job. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Thank you. Imagine how you would feel. All that sacrifice, all that time spent, it's just going to float away because your Savior is proud of you. I just can't believe that. For all of us in here who maybe aren't fathers, and we're saying, okay, Alec, how does this apply to me? I get, you know, this is Father's Day and the message is designed for the fathers to to love and to serve and to be in the word and all these great things. I get that. But what about me? What about me on stage, right? I'm not a father. I'm not a husband. So how does this apply to me? And here's how I think we can also get something out of this as well. Uh, About three weeks ago, I got a text from one of my old students from the church I used to work at. And this kid comes from a perfect family. His his, um, dad, his mom, beautiful couple. The dad, jawline for days. This guy is just, just, ah, just ripped. And I look at him, and I'm like, I'm strong. Like, just great guy, right? Then you have the mom, tall, blonde hair, beautiful, works. As a, she's a teacher, just great. And you would say, man, that's a great family. They look at the boys, and you're like, man, these kids haven't made. Great smile, the perfect come over doesn't include a ton of gel, like my hair. Man, they get 4.0s. They're on the baseball team. They're winning the tournaments. Perfect family, right? Man, that dad, he must be sacrificing like Christ did for the church. I get a text three weeks ago saying that his dad randomly walked into the house, told his mom that he wants a divorce, and walks out. And him and his brother are devastated. And I go, wait a minute. Your whole family used to go to church. This isn't supposed to be happening. This is not the way that Christian families work. And I begin to think, I wonder if he ever read this verse to where he understood that Christ calls him as a father to love his wife like Christ loved us. I wonder if he understood that he had to be in his word daily to help him fight the battle of what was going on in his head and his sinful desires. I wonder if he understood that his job as a husband was to present his wife pure to Christ without blemish, without wrinkle, without stain. I-, I wonder if he ever read this. And to top it all off, I get a text uh, last week from him saying that his mom is just going through a lot of stuff. So she decides, hey, why don't me and my girlfriend just go away to a cabin, get some time just to hang out, reconnect with God, because there's a lot of stuff at home that's going on, things that are tearing apart the family, drama, moving, all this stuff going on. Why don't I just get away from it and just be with God? So she's having this moment, just kind of being there, breathing, thinking, praying. Her girls are there just to, just to you know, encourage her and bring her comfort. And then she has this moment where it's her and God. And God says to her, hey, go to this address and all the lies and deceits will be shown to you. And she's kind of thrown back and saying, okay, I, I didn't expect to hear from God that directly. It was more like a, I, I love you daughter or that sort of thing. But this is like it was pretty direct. So she goes, okay. So she goes to this address and she finds out that her husband's been cheating on her with another woman. And here's the thing that I think about. If he only picked up his Bible to read six verses, what could that situation have looked like? How could it have panned out differently than when I got that text saying, I don't know what to do. My family's falling apart. My dad is leaving us. I wonder if he just took the time to understand what Christ did for him as a sinful man, just as we are sinful, to let that impact him, to say, you know what? If God can forgive me in my worst, then I can do the same toward my family. And he steps up and loves his wife. He steps up and cleanses her through the word. He steps up and tries to his best of his ability to present her to Christ spotless, pure, without blemish. So everyone in this room, I tell you that story because I'm not a dad, I'm not a husband, But guess what I can do that Paul lists out here? I can love people like Christ loved the church. So that kid who knows I'm not a dad, who knows I'm not a husband, the one thing he knows about me is that Alec loves me like Christ loves the church. So I can reach out to him, even though he works at a different church. He has other kids he has to pastor. He has other things on his mind. He just got engaged. He knows that. But the one thing that trumps all that is he gets that I love him like Christ loved me. And imagine if all of us in this room lived a life in that manner, that we walked around as if we knew what the cross did for you and I, as if we knew that we were freed up from any kind of slavery, any kind of burdens or pressure to be who we are and then allow Christ to do the rest. How your Belinda could be changed And this church would be known for something greater than just four walls and a new part and a great kids program and VBS and the River Trip and all those great things. What if this church could be known for not just fathers and husbands who love their wives and their families like Christ loved us, but every single person in this room? What if we were known for that? What if people knew this church and said, man, above everything else, those people who sit in those chairs— They love like no other. There's other churches out there, and they are great. They have this. They have that, right? They have Shaq speaking at their men's tournaments and stuff. Crazy. But this church, the small family church, they love people like Christ loves them. Imagine what that can be. Imagine how your students in this room could be transformed. Imagine what your wives will look like if they knew this. So fathers, on this day, I challenge you to love your wife and your family like Christ loved the church, to be in your word so you can leave them in the word and try your best to present her with purity, without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish. For that one day when you see Christ and he understands how hard it was, he gets every single moment how difficult it was to live up to this call. But he looks at you and he says, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. God, we thank you for this day that we can celebrate dads and all they do for their wives, God, for their kids. We thank you for all the hard work, God, that goes into that. And I ask that you would just bless all the fathers in this room, God, But not only that, Father, I ask that you will challenge them in one of these three ways, God. And maybe tomorrow will be the first time they open their Bible in months, God, to spend time with you so we can allow you, God, to change our hearts and our minds to be able to live out this call, God. I ask that you will encourage them to try their best to meet the level of expectation you have for them, God but remind them in the time that they fail, remind them in the time they fall short, when they think they want to give up and they can't do anymore, God, that you will meet them right there in that spot, Father. You will remind them what the cross did for them, God, how you love them, you care for them, and that you died for them at their worst moments so they can get back up and do it again. We thank you for that, God. Bless these dads, bless these wives who do so much for their kids as well, God, and that you will inspire families today to get back on track with you. You will get them excited about your word, excited about living a light here in your Belinda, God, and that this church will be known for people who are on fire for you and who love others in your name. So God, we thank you for this day. We thank you we get to celebrate all the dads. We get to come together. And God, I ask that you would just bless them this week and remind them who they are in you. God, we pray this all in your holy name. Amen.